My message uh, today is entitled An Open Invitation. Before Jesus left this earth and ascended into heaven, he gave his full authority to those who were following him. And he also gave precise instructions to all of us to what we should be doing while we wait for his return. To all those who followed him, he said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This was not a call just to spiritual leaders. It was not a call to the heads of only just to the heads of various denominations. This was a call to everyone who took upon the name of Christ that calls themselves a Christian. For certainly the entire command is for all of us, especially the ending promise where Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Jesus commands us, all of us, to go share the, the, the gospel, to make disciples of all the nations by teaching them the word of God and going out in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength or our own agenda, but to be led by the Holy Spirit. But understand that Jesus did not simply mean that we are just to put down our stakes and just try to invite people to our churches and do everything that we could to advertise our surface and hope people would come to us. That's not what he meant. He said, go. He said, go into all the nations. Later, when he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, the Holy Spirit was not given so that we could use all the gifts. The Holy Spirit was given so that we could use the gifts to confirm his word so that it would empower our witnesses. It was not just to receive stuff for himself, but to empower our witnesses. And in fact, he said that you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which was where they were at, and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then all to the end of the earth. And though there are missionaries that we support, we just talked about some, but there are missionaries that we support all over the world that still doesn't remove the responsibility from each of our shoulders. We are still called to go into the world. Now whether that world for us might mean our own community, or our own neighborhood, or our own region, or our own area, but we are still called to go wherever God would give us an open door to share his gospel and his love with others. And yet too many people across the world sit in churches with empty seats and, co and they commiserate about why people are no longer coming to church anymore. They're busy, there's sports on Sunday, there's programs on this, the people are living the life on the weekends, the people just don't think church is important anymore. Too many people talk about the downfall of society and how folks must, don't bother to attend church anymore. And while this is a concern, we, we need to know this more than that. That's not what Jesus told us to do. We need to understand that Jesus commanded us to go into the world, to teach others, to disciple others, and to go into all nations, to be involved in our community, to get to know people in our communities. This means that if we go out into different areas, we're going to come across people who are very different from us, with very different cultures in very different backgrounds, in very different experiences. We will come in contact with people who don't talk like us, who don't look the way we look, 
who don't act the way we act, and frankly, who don't believe what we believe. But that is exactly what Jesus commanded us to do, was to go into the world. So I ask you, are you ready to go after people? To give an open invitation to those who are very different from us? What about those who worship differently from us? Or who pray differently from us? Are we ready for that? Of course, we must agree that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We still give the uncompromised teaching of the Word of God that only through Jesus and His sacrifice does anyone enter into eternal life. We cannot compromise the Word. We must give the truth about sin, about repentance, about salvation and grace in eternity. But are we really ready to open up our church and our lives to those who are very different from us? Because if we're not, then we are neglecting and rejecting the most important command of Jesus before he left this earth to go back with his Father in heaven. Throughout his messages to those who followed him, Jesus continually taught on humility and how to see ourselves in comparison to others. Like when he told this parable in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 10. He said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. Verse 11, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 13, And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, if we're not careful, we start developing the same heart and inner motivations of this Pharisee who felt that he was closer to God because of his social status or because there was less amount of observable sin in his life. Yet the truth is that we all stand guilty before God. Every one of us stands guilty before God. We all have sinned, as the Bible declares. There is no one righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. It is only by grace that we are saved through faith that we are able to come to Jesus in the first place. Thus, we must remain humble and acknowledge that we are all the same at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter if we are dressed in suits and dresses or covered in tattoos and piercings. It doesn't matter if we are sparkling clean with fragrant colognes and perfumes or if we are covered from, in dirt from head to toe. We are all on level playing field before God. So if God is no respecter of persons, as the Bible declares, if he sees us all through the same eyes of grace, no matter what we look like or sound like or smell like, then we have to continually humble ourselves and ask God to help us see others the way he sees them. How does God see everyone? I'll tell you. He sees every one of us as lost sheep in need of a shepherd as sinners in need of forgiveness and grace. 
as people across the globe whom he is trying to get their attention that they might repent and turn to him and accept his call to come home. We have to be willing to extend that same open invitation to others that Jesus extended to us. Because if we don't humble our attitudes and change our perspectives, we risk not only rejecting people that God has called, but we risk teaching false doctrine and perverting the gospel for the comfort of our flesh. What do I mean by that? I mean that if we expect people to get cleaned up before they come to church, before they come to Jesus, to dress properly before they come to church, to make sure that they are socially presentable before they join us in worship, then we negate the power of the Holy Spirit to do that very job. If we could fix ourselves, there would be no need for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I was a mess when I came to Jesus. I didn't think I belonged in a church. I thought I would be judged. And so just those thoughts in my mind kept me from ever coming through the doors of a church. It wasn't until God said, I love you exactly how you are, and if you come to me, I will begin to change you. But too many people feel, and I'm not, it's, it happens all over the place, all over the world, people feel judged, and the people that need Jesus the most would never walk through the doors of any church because of that feeling of being judged. They have a lot that they carry. We can't fix ourselves. We can't make ourselves righteous. We can't bring about the change needed in our own lives on our own. We all need Jesus. He is the one who convicts us. He is the one who fixes us. He is the one who cleanses our conscience. He is the one who forgives our sin and heals our pain and regenerates our spirit. He is the one who gives us purpose and direction. He is the one who makes us become more like Him. I was just talking in our Bible study this morning. I said, I don't know about you, but I think God has almost an impossible job, if there was an impossible job. You know why? Because He's got to make me become like Him. He's got to make all of us with all of our problems and insecurities, He has to make us become like Him. He's got His work cut out for Him. But praise God, we serve the God of impossibilities. He doesn't judge us. He says, come to me exactly how you are. I want to change you. I want to change your life and your outlook. But first of all, we have to understand that we are powerless to do that in and of ourselves. We need Him to complete us. So if we have attitudes, spoken or not, that look down on others who are different from us, whose appearance is a stark contrast to what we are used to, whose language is rough and coarse and contrary to how we talk, then we are the ones who are out of step with God, not any visitors. And yet this is not a new problem. It has gone on since the time of Jesus to reject others who were different or reject others based on how they were trying to approach Jesus. Luke chapter 18. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked it, rebuked them. Verse 16. But Jesus called to them and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verse 17. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. You see, the thing that causes us to reject others who are different from ourselves is our sinful flesh, and we all have one. Pride and insecurity get in the way, 
and clouds our thinking because the flesh always wants to be comfortable and the flesh always wants to be completely in control. However, it's impossible to stay completely in control if you truly submit to Jesus. You have to give up that control. Yet many are afraid of just that. That is why people are rejected who may look or sound differently. That is why people are criticized and feared who worship and pray differently. It's because of the need of our prideful flesh to stay in control. It's the reason that Christian unity has succumbed over the many, many years in our earth's existence. Christian unity has succumbed to man-made denominations around the world. There's going to be no denominations in heaven. There's no Baptists over here and the Methodists sit over here and the Presbyterians sit in the mansions on the hill. That's, that's not in heaven. Denominations were man-made. Instead of working through challenges and differences biblically, people have found that it's easier to divide and become separate from one another. Yet here we see in this passage Jesus rebuking his followers for being critical of people who are bringing their kids to Jesus. His disciples condemned these people because they didn't approach Jesus in the right way. Maybe they weren't reverent enough. Maybe they didn't receive an invitation from the disciples. Maybe they were too different or too loud or too chaotic. But Jesus never came here to give a doctrine on how to approach him. He never prescribed a list of do's and don'ts of how to come to him. He simply said, come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me. That's it. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People are heavy laden enough with life's challenges and their backgrounds and their wounds. We don't need to add to that burden by putting on our expectations or requirements so that we are comfortable. We need to echo Jesus' open invitation and say, come. I'm grateful, truly am, that we have such a beautiful church. It's such a beautiful reflection. It's, it's, it's great to show off when people come and, it's, and, and so many hands have, uh, do work on a, a weekly basis to keep our church and our church grounds looking, at, looking their best. But I will tell you that even if we had a run-down building with limited resources, God would love us exactly the same. He would be drawn to us exactly the same. And we still would be sinners in need of grace and forgiveness. See, when people are critical of church changes and of church decorations and of things that they don't like going on in the church or whatever's going on around them, how do you think people feel who are different than us? when they want to come to Jesus through a church. Every time our church aesthetics are criticized or judged harshly, what do you think it says to those who look and sound different from you and I? It tells them that they might be under the same critical microscope and scrutinizing eye because they are different. It tells them that even though they are heavy laden, they risk becoming more laden with judgment when they come near. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into himself or herself. A child simply receives a gift with joy. He doesn't criticize it. She doesn't complain about what it's not. 
A child doesn't refuse, refuse it or try to pay it off by doing works to earn it. She doesn't make up rules on how others should receive it or how others should enjoy using it. A child simply runs to Jesus and says, Thank you. That's what God's saying. I have this great gift. Worshippers around the world, some have beautiful churches, some have no church at all. It doesn't matter. We are proud of what God's given us. But God said, would you just receive the gift? Would you just receive salvation? And just say thank you. That's the heart of Jesus' message. We don't need to add anything to it. We don't need to add anything to anyone else's burden. On the contrary, if we are going to go into all nations and into our communities, and if we are asking people to come to Jesus, we need to be doing whatever we can to help bear their burdens by not judging them, by making them feel welcome regardless of how they look or talk. Jesus will take care of the rest. He did with me. You wouldn't like me if I, you first met when I first came to Jesus. I was crazy and a wild man. God does amazing things. God is, God is always faithful. It's God's job who changes us on the inside and out and changes situations if we just trust Him and if we truly allow ourselves and others to simply come to Him. God will be the one who lovingly brings about changes in lives that reflect Him. He will be the one who smooths out their rough areas. And many times as we welcome new people unconditionally, God will expand our perspectives as well, showing us different ways to worship, sometimes new ways to pray, new ways to do outreach, new ways to share the gospel, and new ways to prepare ourselves for His glorious return. But in order to put ourselves in this place, we have to be willing to go after people. We have to be willing to be led with love and compassion. You have to allow your pastor and his wife to get involved in the community without being critical of that. The call that God put on us is to be involved in the community and to go after people. There's too much on the line for each of us if we don't do these things. Matthew 25, Jesus said this in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. Praise God. Verse 32, All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Verse 34, Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you, blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. You didn't judge me. I was thirsty, and you didn't condemn me. You gave me drink. I was a stranger, and I looked different from you, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you came to me and visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did you, we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these brethren, you did it to me. This is the heart of Jesus. He is calling all of us to go out there and go to his people. He is calling all of us not to judge others, but simply meet their needs and do whatever we can do to make a straight, unhindered path to Jesus. As a church, we need to take in others who are different, who don't have the same blessings or resources that we may have. We need to go to people who will never step foot in a church like this due to fear or insecurity that they have or feelings of inferiority or bad experiences in their past. We need to be Jesus to the world. It starts right here in this church, in our own attitudes, in our own discussions. But it does not end here. We have to take the love of Jesus into the world. That's what He sent us to do. We have to be involved in our community. Whether it's Rotary or any other organization, we have to get to know people in our community. We have to take Jesus to those who are destitute and heavy laden. We have to be Jesus to the world. We have to give a free and open invitation to those who are in need of hope and love and acceptance and forgiveness. We have to share Jesus with the world. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word and the promise that's in Your Word. We thank You for the invitation that You gave each one of us to come to You. Lord God, as we reflect on the words of this next song, Lord God, let us know Your heart. Let us receive Your love. Let us extend that love so that we can see people how You see them. In Jesus' name, Amen.
two weeks ago, I left church. And I traveled up to Grayling. My wife and I were going to get a bite to eat. And our, cart, our truck started to overheat on the highway. We pulled over, and Jim knows I have no truck skills. And so we're on the side of the road, and our car is overheating, and cars are going by 80 miles an hour, and it's just a rotten place to be if you've ever been in a situation. And I called up a friend who I knew, who I knew was going to Grayling to have lunch. I called him. He came back, and he brought me some coolant. I filled up the coolant, and I, my first guess why I was overheating, and so filled up, and I started up. He thought we were fine, so we took off. Well, I broke down again. It wasn't fine. I got off on the exit ramp. Um, by the rest there, or by the uh, truck stop, and I'm stuck on the exit ramp, overheating, and I have no idea. And so I went out in front of my truck. I'm looking at it, and still overheating. That I have plenty of coolant in there, and uh, I bowed down in front of my truck and I started to pray. I said, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I I need your hello. And while in the middle of my prayer, I turned on a guy pulled up, and he said, uh, Do you need some help? And I said, Yes. And he was covered in head to toe. He's a backyard mechanic. He was covered in dirt and grease from head to toe. And uh, he had his wife and his three kids in the back of his truck. And he came by and he looked at the, looked at the truck and, 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 and he said, what's wrong? I said, I have no, no clue. I don't know trucks. And he came to crawl underneath it and he pulled out. He goes, this was your serpentine belt. He was all frayed and tore it to the top. But here's the second half of it over here. He said, the reason it's not working is your serpentine belt moves stuff, and so it doesn't matter how full your coolant is, it's not getting to cool down your engine. And, uh, okay, he said, uh, he said, I'll tell you what, I, I can tow you back uh, to my house. And he hooked us up, and he towed us back to his house way back in the middle of the woods. Someone who just had a good heart and uh, fixed my car up for almost nothing. In fact, I paid him double what he offered because he was so undercutting himself. And I got to know him, and he did some more work on my truck and crawled under and did all the stuff and just had immense tragedy in his life. Very different from me. Looked different, talked different, smelled different. Whole, everything was very different, just covered in dirt. And he started to share some recent tragedy in his life, and he just started to bawl. And I just reached over and held him, not just a hug like that, but just held him for like 20 seconds. And just had this incredible connection. I've been witnessing to him all week. There's a couple of times he's had nightmares at night, and I've gone over in the middle of the night and talked with him and witnessing to him. And he just had a breakthrough last night. And it's not about me, it's about God. But he said, he put his, this post on Facebook. He said, I was in a dark, deep, dark, dark place, and all my friends have left me, and my we were really struggling. And then God, he said, I had a friend that I met on the side of the road. And I wouldn't listen to him. But last night while I slept, God sent a message to me in my dream and told me I need to forgive others in my life and I need to forgive myself. He said, I've broken through now. Do you know how amazing our God is that even when what we do, it doesn't work and God can still reach someone in their dreams who is not even a Christian. And now he's on fire for God. Whatever you're hoping for, believing for someone, know that God is the, the God of impossibilities. We just need to be ready to go after people. We need to be willing to go wherever God sends us. 
so that his kingdom can go forth. There are no strangers to God. There are no orphans of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that you are faithful. We thank you for this promise. I pray for my friend and his family that you would continue to do a work on them. Thank you, Lord God, that you can use us to be lights in your community to share your love and acceptance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.